Welcome to Disruptive CEO Nation, where company founders, entrepreneurs, and cutting-edge thinkers drop in from around the globe to share startup stories, insider insights, and hard-earned success lessons. Now, here's your host, a woman who mastered business by placing heels on the ground all over the world, having worked with and coached CEOs and senior leaders from over 90 countries, and who wants you to build your best business future, Allison K. Summers. Hey, this is Allison Kay, and welcome to this episode of Disruptive CEO Nation. We're going to tell you a story today that I'm not sure you knew that you needed to know, but we're going to talk about biosafety and about new technology that's disrupting this space. And I'm actually really excited um, to talk about it because I just can't stand chemicals and, and understanding labels and understanding the reality of things. So he's got a great brand story. Also, it's an amazing startup story that you are going to want to hear on how they booked from, um, you know, in a year, over 5 million in sales. And I'm sure you're way over that now. Um, and their story about raising capital. So uh, stay tuned. And I want to introduce you to the wonderful Grant Morgan. Hi, thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here. We gave you a buildup. So tell everybody what the company is and what it is that you do. Absolutely. So our company is called R0. And fundamentally, R0 is a biosafety company. And what we're doing is democratizing access to the best tools and technologies available today to fight infections um, so that they're accessible to organizations of all shapes and sizes. And our ultimate goal is to reduce sick days and create a higher standard for public health and safety. So I have to ask, when did you actually get this company off the ground? Yeah, uh, that's a great question. So the company was born out of the coronavirus pandemic, and we incorporated on April 7th of 2020. So we just turned a year old. You know, we, we my co-founders and I were kind of sitting, uh, sitting at home, watching the world kind of unravel before our eyes. And we saw the, the loss of human lives and the economic devastation mm-hmm. that was happening on a truly global scale and uh, felt really compelled to, to jump in and, and do something to, to help uh, fight this thing. So tell us a little bit about the, the product because it's quite in, impressive. Yeah, absolutely. So the product is called ARC and it's a whole room UVC disinfection device. And so we basically looked at, uh, you know, when we, when we thought about what we want to bring to market and what kind of tools and technology could be available uh, for us to uh, adapt, it, uh, we started with hospitals. And so we looked at uh, particularly the best in breed hospitals who do the best job at controlling infections. And, um, you know, when we studied the things that they do, uh, what we realized and learned was uh, they use UVC light. And UVC light is just light at a specific wavelength. It happens to be about 254 nanometers. And that light destroys anything that it touches. Uh, so it, it'll kill bacteria, viruses, mold, fungi. In fact, there are no known UVC resistant microorganisms on the planet. And so, you know, we, we, we discovered this, uh, this technology that's being used in hospitals and, and has, you know, over 100 years of scientific evidence proving its germicidal efficacy. Um, and, uh, and we decided that we wanted to adapt it for, uh, for commercial spaces. And, um, and 
the reason why was that in hospitals, these devices uh, that are these incumbent devices are typically sold for anywhere from 80 to $125,000. So we were thinking, look, this technology is proven effective. It works. It's a tool that could be used by schools, uh, hotels, restaurants, uh, commercial office settings, things like that, but it's not financially accessible. Um, and so we set out to build, uh, build a device that has hospital grade efficacy, but offer it at a, uh, at a price that uh, is palatable to organizations of all shapes and sizes. And so what we built and, and for the viewers or, or listeners, I guess, uh, who can't technically see right now, the device is about uh, six and a half feet tall. It's got eight high output germicidal UVC bulbs, uh, and they're all backed by uh, aluminum parabolic reflectors to, to make sure that the light gets distributed evenly and intensely on all of the surfaces that we need to disinfect. Um, the way you use it is you roll it into a room and you plug it into a wall, you set a timer and you hit go. And then uh, the device runs for anywhere from three to seven minutes, depending on the size of the room. And it disinfects over 99.99% of, uh, of anything, uh, any harmful pathogen that's, that's in the room. Um, but one of the things I want to highlight that's unique about our device and, and really unique to our story is, is uh, the device is equipped with uh, IoT connectivity. So we put LTE chips and, uh, and Bluetooth in, in the device. So when you run it, it actually generates data about where it was run, how long it was run, when it was run, and it emits that to our cloud, which we can then report on in, in a dashboard for our customers. And the thing that's you know, interesting about that is as we looked at what problems we want to solve um, you know, to help fight the coronavirus, um, we, we you know, took a step back and kind of asked ourselves, like, well, what, what should disinfection look like in 2020 and beyond, and now 2021 and beyond? Mm -hmm. And our observation was that the industry is dominated by you know, hundred-year-old commodity chemical manufacturers, and those chemicals that they use are harmful to human health. Um, they're uh, they're harmful to the environment, and uh, and they're very manually in intensive, uh, labor-intensive. And so, um, and so, you know, to us, uh, what we came up with was we we thought that this all should be a lot more automated. There should be a lot more IoT connectivity, a lot more data and data science to derive actionable insights and a lot more software to automate workflows and feed those insights back to customers. So we baked that into our first product and that's a, a capability that we're really going to double down on, uh, you know, in our product, uh, in our product suite. Well, and Grant, I appreciate what you're saying because um, I oversee an office and you have staff that are, are one skeptical, right? Skeptical of the, the cleanliness of everything, but I'm also concerned about all of these chemicals because we are now spraying the offices down. We all have hand sanitizers at every station, all these sprays at every station. Logically, that can't be good for any of us. Yeah, uh, logically, if, if bleach kills microorganisms on a surface, it's probably not good for you to inhale. Um, and, and that's absolutely true. And uh, you're, you're right that you know these chemicals that we typically use every, every day are, um, are harmful to human health. And there are a ton of studies out there that show a direct correlation between a, a drastic increase in different respiratory diseases and, um, and, and tying that to sort of uh, occupations that, um, that interact with these chemicals like janitorial custodial type services as well. Um, and um, so we have the data, uh, we just haven't acted on it. And then, you know, the first thing you said that, that people are skeptical about the cleaning that's happening, uh -huh. um, they, they, should, they should be for, for a number of reasons. Um, 
first and foremost, humans are imperfect, even in hospitals where you have specially trained staff and you have uh, you have high powered chemicals. Um, there are a ton of studies that show uh, about 50% of surfaces that contain pathogens um, are missed uh, when when manual cleaning and disinfection was done, which is why the devices like ours are actually used in hospitals. And there's going to be a lot of lingering psychological scar tissue in the eyes and the minds of the public coming out of the coronavirus pandemic. And, and I think there's going to be a renewed focus on uh, environmental health and safety um, around the, the spaces where we spend so much of our time. And so that's why we bake that IoT functionality into this device and we'll have it in every device moving forward. Well, and I love the way we like to talk about, oh yeah. Yeah, oh, sorry. No, I was gonna say, I just, I love the, the data intelligence. Like there's, there's no debate at the time and the place that it all happened. Exactly. Yeah. The way we kind of talk about it is we're creating this auditable trail of disinfection activities that happen within a space. And originally we designed the functionality for compliance. So, you know, you could, you could actually look, uh, look at your dashboard any from anywhere in the world and see what happened last night during your custodial processes at any building that you own or operate um, in the world. And what's been interesting is we've actually seen a lot of our customers take that data and share it externally with their stakeholders, their employees, their patrons, um, to prove that they're doing something differentiated to keep them safe. And um, it's gone a really long way in establishing trust and getting people back into these spaces. Um, and we've even seen some some businesses have a, a pretty big uptick um, after announcing that they're that they're doing something like this. Uh, we've seen actually you know business grow after a simple Instagram post announcing that you know they they're implementing R zero Arc. That's fantastic. So I want to talk about business building because these are great examples for your product, but you started someplace. Um, so let's take a step back about you, you Grant, as a, as a person and, and a little bit of your journey to get to the point of founding this particular company. Absolutely. So I'll start at the beginning of my career. It's, what I'm doing now is kind of this interesting and serendipitous amalgamation of, of past experiences. And so I, I'm a mechanical engineer by training. Um, and I started my career in the medical device field. So uh -huh. I worked for a company called Abbott, uh, which I'm sure you're very familiar with being from Chicago. And um, I moved all over for them from, uh, from Columbus, Ohio to Chicago to Puerto Rico, the Bay Area. Um, and I worked in a number of different business units, but um, fundamentally I was making medical devices. I loved the altruistic aspect of it, um, knowing that at the end of the day, uh, there was there was someone that was benefiting from the mm -hmm. time that I'm spending on on work. Um, but I quickly realized uh, that you know I, I wanted a bigger slice of the pie, a bigger scope of responsibility, and um, uh, and so I jumped ship to a smaller medical device startup at the time. Um, and uh, there, I, I got exactly what I was looking for, and I got to stand up and lead our neurovascular value stream. And so we made permanent surgical implantables for neurovascular applications. And so my team would basically take a napkin sketch, figure out how to make it take the client through FDA submissions and then go, uh, you know, scale up manufacturing and, and hand it off um, to the manufacturing team. And so that was a blast. Um, I learned a ton. I got exactly what I wanted out of it, but I decided that I wanted to try something in an industry that wasn't so regulated. Um, and so uh, I had a friend at the time from college who was starting a company uh, that I, I uh, I jumped ship to. Um, it was called iCracked and it was basically on demand uh, phone repair at the time. 
And, uh, and so I jumped ship and, uh, you know, originally when he asked me to come, to come work with him, um, and, and build this company with him, he, I was like, well, it sounds great, but what would I do? And he said, I have no idea. And I said, that's great. I'm in. Um, and so, so, at so, ICRAC, so Grant, uh, in, in the dictionary, there's, there's the word risk taker and there's your photo, right? You're <laughs> I, I, yes, I, if it's not there, it probably will be someday, but, um, but yeah, so I, I jumped ship and, um, and what ended up happening was, uh, I ended up becoming our first kind of de facto product manager. So I was kind of in between our non-technical, my non-technical co-founder and the engineering team. Um, I didn't know anything about software at the time, but, um, I learned very quickly. So I ended up, um, building and growing the product and engineering teams, uh, at iCracked and we, um, we, we found quite a bit of success along the way over the course of six years, we raised, um, close to hundred million dollars, um, and grew the business to a point where we eventually got acquired by Allstate. And, um, and so I spent about six months getting the ship to port, uh, after the acquisition and left and started another company. Um, but fast forward to, you know, uh, to March of last year, um, I got a call from one of my co-founders, Ben who I had met through iCracked. He was actually on our board and he's been a venture capitalist for the last 20 years. And, um, and he was always someone that I highly respected and always wanted to work with, but never thought it would be in an operating capacity. Um, I always thought it would be, you know, lucky enough to have a good idea and he'd invest in something that I'm doing in the future. But he called me up and said like, hey, we should do something here. And the original idea for the company R0 was actually like, a disinfection service. It was like I cracked for disinfection where we have, uh -huh. you know, thousands of independently contracted technicians that we would send out to perform a differentiated disinfection service. Um, and, uh, and I loved the idea. I, I built that type of business before. And so I, I knew what I was, I was doing ostensibly, um, as much as anyone could, I guess. And then what ended up happening was when we started looking into UVC, which we picked as the technology that we were going to equip our workforce with, we realized that it was uh, these devices that are typically sold into hospitals were eighty to one hundred twenty-five thousand dollars, and and we thought our idea was dead in the water. And what ended up happening was that weekend, um, I, I I had sort of the this light bulb moment where I looked at these devices. I'm like, they're, they're just light bulbs on wheels with timers. Like they can't be that expensive. And so I spent the weekend trying to figure out how to make one, um, and and I did. And, um, and I called Ben back and I said, Hey, you're going to think I'm crazy, but we're building lights. And he said, you are crazy, but I'm in. Um, and so that was kind of the Genesis. So let's talk about the, the pricing because you threw out this, this huge price and you're right. I'm listening to your story and I'm thinking, wow, what is it making? What is it that made them 80 to hundred and plus thousand, is it because they weren't in a, in a high demand? And how did you overcome that? Because I love stories where people are disrupting and, and making good products more readily available to everybody. Yeah. So the, the reason, uh, there's actually a, a, a very logical explanation that we've learned um, about why these devices are sold into healthcare for, for so much money. And really what it comes down to is it's an artifact of, uh, of our healthcare system and how it's structured and, and, um, and really because these companies can. And so what happened was in 2010, when the Affordable Care Act uh, came into place, we, um, 
uh, they had to pay for the expanded coverage somehow. So they raised taxes and they lowered costs. And one of the biggest cost centers uh, for Medicare and Medicaid specifically was reimbursing hospitals for hospital acquired infections. And turns out hospital acquired infections are a huge issue. About one in 25 hospital visits results in an HAI. It's the sixth leading cause of death in the United States. And it's about a $40 billion a year problem. And so what happened in 2010 is when that legislation was passed and went into, uh, went into place, Medicare and Medicaid said, hey, hospitals, this happens on your watch. We are no longer going to reimburse you for it. Now you're financially responsible for, uh, for these HAIs. And uh, turns out those HAIs cost hospitals anywhere from fifteen dollars to $30,000 a piece. And so now they have a huge incentive to reduce them. And so, um, so what, what these companies do is they walk into a hospital and they say, hey, here's our device, try it for six months. And if you reduce, uh, you, if you prevent, you know, two or three HAIs, this device pays for itself. And inevitably it does because the technology works and, um, and the hospital's happy because they got this cost reduction mechanism uh, to help combat these new HAI expenses that they were having to incur. Um, but it has nothing to do with the, the cost that it, uh, of making the device itself. Um, and that's where we found the opportunity here is, is we think everybody should have access to this type of technology. Um, and we think it should be in commercial spaces uh, more broadly as well. Well, in my organization, that, that the offices that I operate and run um, would never be able to afford such a thing. So I know in your story, you had to determine your go-to-market and your pricing strategy. So tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, so one of the things we wanted to do when we launched, I, I, I mentioned a little bit earlier, we were, we were um, one of the things that really broke our hearts was the, the economic devastation that was happening. And so, you know, I'm watching some of my favorite mom and pop restaurants close uh, forever uh, for no reason, no fault of their own. And, um, and so we wanted to be sensitive to the financial circumstances of, of the times and of our potential customers. And so what we decided to do was go out to market with a hardware as a service model. And um, effectively, you can think of it as a lease. So we break the total cost down into smaller bite-sized bite chunks um, and, uh, and charge a monthly subscription for these things. And we did that. Um, it, it was pretty successful. Um, but what we realized was for larger organizations and those using CARES Act uh, funding to pay for this, um, it, for the larger organizations, especially, this became an accounting question. Do you want it to hit your books as OPEX or CAPEX? And the larger companies, especially ones with cash, uh, very much preferred for, uh, for you know, to book this as CAPEX. And so we, we ended up starting to offer a, a purchase option as well. So um, we, we still maintain both to the, to the plight of uh, our CFO and our accounting team, but, uh, but uh, it's, it's what's best for customers. So Great. So we're getting close to our time, but I have to ask, because we gave the headline at the beginning. So let's close with, with the headline on, tell us about the money, how you guys raise the money and what your intent is to do with the money going forward, because you're only a year old and you have so many more places to go. Yeah, absolutely. So we we closed a, a small seed round, about 1.6 million, about four days after we um, after we uh, incorporated the company. Um, and in July of last year, we realized that this thing's going to be way bigger than we originally planned, and we needed more money for more inventory and uh, and to scale the team and whatnot. And so we went out fundraising. Um, we ended up 
getting uh, a number of term sheets in, in within a week of, of starting the fundraising process. And we were lucky enough to attract and, and land um, a, an investor uh, called uh, DBL, so Double Bottom Line Partners. And uh, we, we are extremely grateful to have them on board and they're incredibly aligned with our values in addition to being a world-class investor. But Double Bottom Line um, stands for, the first bottom line is financial success. Um, so they invest in companies that are going to do well financially. But the second bottom line is social and environmental good. And um, it was important for us to be a great company and also do great within the communities that we serve and uh, in, in the environment uh, that, that, we, uh, that we live in. So we chose DBL, um, raised a $15 million ser Series A, and we were off to the races. And that helped fund our early inventory, um, and it's helped grow the team. So we are now 48 people. Um, we just, you know, at our first birthday a couple of weeks ago, or a couple of days ago, actually, we, um, we were just over $11 million in, in sales total after, uh, we've only been selling for about six months. So, um, but yeah, we're, we're, we're growing really, really quickly. Um, and we're, we're really, really excited about the prospects of building this new, uh, disinfection 2.0, uh, new modern biosafety platform. So. I'd like to close with asking my guests, if we come back and talk to them um, in two years down the road, you know, what's, what's the story? And, you know, and, and so I don't know how, how well you can answer what's, what's the story. If we come back and speak to you, because um, you've done so much remarkable expansion and good in such a short period of time. So let's, let's pull yours in. What does the story look like in six months and in 12 months? Yeah, in six or 12 months, um, I hope that everybody listening here and, and everybody else uh, uh, in the United States and, and globally as well, recognizes R0 as a brand that's synonymous with trust and safety. And so it's, it, we, want this, we want this brand, our logo, our badge to, to be something that people seek out and that's symbolic of a higher standard for health and safety. And so um, we want workplaces to have our badge and our, and our products. Um, and, and we want to be able to prove that we can reduce sick days in the office by virtue of deploying our platform. We want the same thing for hotels, for, for restaurants, for schools, um, and, and all kinds of facilities uh, worldwide. So um, that's our hope is that we have this sort of holistic platform of IoT mm -hmm. connected devices where we can deploy it to our customer spaces and then prove a, a reduction in sick days, which will ostensibly save uh, these organizations money um, and and ultimately uh, you know make human health uh, uh, you know more equitable and, and democratize it uh, for for everybody to to be able to access and achieve. Grant, thank you so much for sharing your story. If people want to reach you or they want to find out more about the business, where should they go look? Yeah, go to r0.com. So R and then the word zero, Z-E-R-O.com is the best place to look. And then uh, find me on LinkedIn, shoot me a note uh, and uh, give me any feedback, ask questions and uh, I'm, I'm all ears. Or I'll head to San Francisco and, and I'll, you can buy me a drink. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah, no, we, we owe you one. Really, really appreciate uh, you having me on the show though. This has been a lot of fun and, and, uh, and I love what you do. So thank you.
Thank you. And to our listeners, see, we're now all smarter about biosafety, which is what I promised at the beginning. Um, so if Grant said something that you think somebody else needs to hear, by all means, please share a copy of this um, episode and direct them to his company because it is, I think, very key um, for business owners everywhere to understand what this product is and, and what it can do for them. So thank you. And with that, we're going to close. Grant, really appreciate it. Awesome. Thank you so much, Allison. This show has been produced by Market Domination, LLC. To discover how you can have your own show completely done for you and turn it into a real published book and become the authority in your marketplace, go to www.marketdominationllc.com slash podcast offer. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. <laughs>